Welcome to the Kids Like You and Me podcast. We're here with Dan talking of Prescribed Vinyl Online Record Shop. How's it going, Dan? It's going great, guys. How are you? Yeah, doing all right. As we've said before, definitely missing, definitely missing shows. Absolutely. No, this is a good. This is a good time to chat about music. Around the time yeah, of the record right store day. Yeah, true. The pop up record shop. Yeah, I was trying to think before before we jumped on here. It was like when when's the when did I meet you guys? And I think it was at the Brighton Music Hall at one of the record store day shows. It was. Yeah, I actually was just looking that up myself. Uh, I was trying to remember what year, and it was uh, 2016. Because I did it a couple of years. I think we were next to each other one year. And we I, were. Yeah. And I bought yeah. Your, your tapes. The rest is history. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, we were we were next to each other. Yeah, it was April 2016. Yeah, because one of the years, I think it was the most recent one um, well, that, that I went to, they actually had like live bands and stuff. But the first ones, it was just sort of like DJs and stuff, I think. Yeah. Were you at the one with the the Conaners played? I did. I did. I actually, I chased down like the lead singer to sign my one of my LPs <laughs> and got like yelled get yelled at by like one of the bouncers. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> I got two. I got two autographs. I couldn't get the drummers, but I got um, a crook kid and I think oh, the cool. girl's name the bass. Nice. Those yeah, the- yeah. Those are the days. And we could have pop-up record shops in, per- <laughs> in person. No, I know. I mean, that's the biggest thing right now. I actually had a couple of, I think it was a fuzz show that I was, I had tickets for, mm-hmm. for like 2020. I bought them in like 2019 and they just kept pushing the dates out and then finally canceled. I think it was in Cambridge. I forget the venue, but um, right. yeah, there just hasn't been, it's been a drought, if you will, uh, for anything in person. I don't know if you guys have, um, I think I sent you that thing, Chris. They were like Zebulon out in LA was doing like live shows uh, with just the single artist. I think Ty Siegel and um, Charlie from Fuzz were doing their own stuff. It was pretty cool. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I saw the the Ty one. That was, I, I really enjoyed his set. It was pretty different than just to see him kind of do everything all by himself. It was in, it, it seemed kind of heavier than the band, which is weird to say. Yeah. No, definitely. He actually, they, they made an LP out of that. They pressed it to vinyl. So I actually snagged that a couple of weeks back. Oh, no way. Check that out. Do you want to tell people about prescribed vinyl? Prescribed vinyl essentially was just like a, a record of the month club um, that I decided to start probably around 2012, I think was the, was the beginnings of it. Um, and it literally started with just the website and me like reaching out to all these indie labels and asking them if I could sell their records. And of course they were happy to oblige. Um, and then I got into going to shows. That's where I kind of ran into you guys, um, record shows, stuff like that. The, the, the Bright Music Hall one was really cool. Um, there's also like a whole other like circuit of record shows where you kind of go to like hotel, like ballrooms and like, I don't know, um, sort of sideshow type of things. Um, but that was sort of what I got into trying to find as many different like indie labels to to bring their music to to people who hadn't heard it before that's wow awesome. actually yeah because we've done yeah we've done those at brighton musical and we've done like the boston hassle will have um yeah. like 
flea markets and stuff like that, their own ones. But uh, other than that, I don't, oh, actually, no, we did another one uh, through the, um, I believe, iDesign. Um, but uh, we're not really too familiar with that circuit. Like, where do you usually go for those? Yeah, I mean, basically, I think there, there was one out in Burlington, Mass. A lot of guys are, uh, they like, they buy records from like estate sales or they had their own shops and they would kind of set up. I mean, there'd be like maybe like 20, 30 like vendors. So it'd be, it'd be a decent size and you, you could pretty much find anything. Um, mostly used stuff. Like I was kind of the only one bringing new stuff in um, from just independent labels and things like that. But you could like, if you want to go digging for stuff, it was, it was some, it was some good stuff that people could find. Um, obviously they haven't done it in a while, but you could find one every, I don't know at least once a month in the Boston area, um, either like right. Somerville or Burlington, a little further out off the beaten path. But um, such a cool culture to be a part of though, because everybody's sort of banded together, trying to help people get their stuff lugged in and stuff like that. So it was, it was a cool experience for me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's just, it's funny even, I just like recently was uh, Googling record stores in Boston area and just um, had seen some stuff like people posting on Facebook and there was way more record stores than I, I had, had thought, you know, and we've been to a bunch of record stores in the area and, and have like sold stuff and everything, but it, it's, it's pretty wild actually how much is still, still active. Yeah, that's great. So they kind of, they've made it through the last year. They're still, still going. Yeah, I was, um, at least some of them, I've been in a couple, uh, I went to Blue Bag Records in Cambridge recently, and I was also went to High Energy, which I think is in Somerville, that is actually like more like a vintage store, but they do sell vinyl. Yep. Um, Look it up, I'm going to get back up there and try to, that was, I actually, I've met a couple of people that had their own stores, one of this guy up in Lowell, um, they're doing, I don't know if you've heard of the is it uh, mill number five up in the wall? Oh yeah, yep. They do like a whole. I mean, they probably have like fifteen to twenty different stores, everything from vintage to records to a lot of artisanal stuff. Um, but mm -hmm. one of my buddies that I used to sell records with set up his own record shop, and that's. I mean, that's the ultimate dream, right? At some point, yeah, yeah. You have your own record store, right? <laughs> Is that Dave Perry? Yes. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I met him at the first pop-up record shop or at least the first one that uh i went to in 2015 the year before we met and yep. i knew dave perry was based out of wool and uh, i forget it. what's the name of uh, is it vinyl destination or that's the one that's okay the one. he started off with like one uh smaller um part of the the storefront there and i think he expanded so he's uh it's a cool place. It's not, I mean, I think they're, they're not open all the time. It's more of like a, not at the appointment only type level, but they, they do different hours during the week. So it's kind of a cool little like speakeasy kind of feel. Nice. And you have ambitions one day to. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's uh, it's, I mean, first I got to get prescribed back up and running. Cause I haven't had that. I, I, I think I have the, the, the doorway page that says I'm on sabbatical for the last year. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get that thing uh, going on. I think I'm gonna like move into more of just recommending 
like different independent labels and different artists that I already know and try to drive them or drive traffic to to their websites because a lot of the a lot of the smaller labels actually have like really good like e-commerce websites now where you can buy most of the stuff where that wasn't really the case like I don't know five six years ago um so trying to trying to do something in that in that line I know Chris knows that yeah. there's no shortage of, of me recommending stuff uh usually at night owl on the on Facebook yeah oh, there you go <laughs> oh I do love our exchanges uh where we'll just like message each other at random hours like you gotta check out this <laughs> that's, uh, the, that's the that's the cool time I've been trying to do um like I kind of dove head first into Spotify like I don't know, maybe three or four years ago which I was sort of anti at the beginning for some reason um but mm-hmm. new um like collaborative playlists that they have where you can literally just send a link to people and then you can both people or three people can add different tracks and kind of just like mix and match stuff so it's it's a pretty cool way to collaborate Oh, I, that's yeah. Your the idea that you just said that sounds amazing because there really is no. There's so many independent labels out there that are, let's just say, unknown. And then there's really, unless you're really in, you know, unless you're hardcore following someone on Instagram or, there's no resource that can direct you. So, damn, hats off to you. Looking forward to that. Yeah, we're gonna go for. It. I mean. It's funny, like, I don't know, when I first started this, I mean, I've always been a big music fan, but like when I was younger, I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't find like underground stuff, things like, not that I was in the top 40 level, but as I started collecting records, there's just so much more Mm. avenue towards underground artists, I think, through the vinyl culture. Um, And I kind of put, you guys are, I'm, I'm sort of like, I don't know, I have some friends that are like way up in like closer to the top 40, like they only know a certain amount of stuff. And as you further go, I'm, I'm sort of in the middle, but you guys are on the ground level, right? So I'm always asking Chris, like, what's the, what's the new hotness out there? That's my, uh... <laughs> well, yeah. you probably know just even better than me, actually. Like I, I, I think we're, you know, like you've definitely exposed me to new thing or like, you know, introduced me to like new stuff as well. So I think you're, you're closer to the to the underground than I'd say in you're in the underground, right? So more than you perhaps realize. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny because you think like this is I have like a three or four other friends that I kind of just lean on for for music, and there it's funny. There's I have like a hip hop guy, I've got like a metal guy, yeah, a couple of people who are um, sending me stuff that I've never heard of, and I don't know when you're in the business for as long, like maybe five, six years, you feel like you've discovered everything and there's always, there's always, oh. there's always a <laughs> rabbit hole to go down. Oh, absolutely. That's really. one thing that I've, uh, mul- at multiple points in my life, I've realized that uh, there's never, you're, you're never gonna reach that point of like, that you've discovered everything that like, even the, I mean, that's the, that's the wonderful, it's like the great thing that, it, that it's, it's a great problem to have. Yep. is that that you can keep going down like you said the rabbit hole and i don't know that's i think one thing too that with like vinyl and uh what we're talking with like all the music that's out there it's like when people say it's like oh there's no good music out there or music like sucks today or whatever it's like i, I think they just haven't it's like i don't know what they're listening to but i think it, it maybe they just need to they need some sort of curation that something like a prescribed vinyl 
Yeah, yeah. I was I was just gonna go there too, and and you got to put the work in, right? You gotta you gotta dig, you gotta find. Oh, it is. Yeah. Like, because there is so much out there, especially with like these streaming services, you can you can be like you can be presented with like thousands of different albums, but it, it takes time to go through each one of these things, find find good songs, find things that aren't just sort of flash in the pan stuff. That's yeah. It's true. We've because we've all. It's weird now to say that we've been out of the vinyl game for what, like six years now. We haven't done a vinyl re- release, but yeah, we actually haven't. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know what the. Too, yeah, I I don't know what the landscape is like now, but damn, is it ever hard to sell two hundred fifty or five hundred vinyl seven inches or you know LPs as a label. Uh, as a very small label, it's very hard to to move that amount. Absolutely, yeah. no. I mean, that was one of the challenges that I had with. I try. I think I bit off too much. I tried to do like four different genres, like a, a record for each genre every month, and finding that sourcing it was. It wasn't hard to source, but then, like you said, like the I would have to go through distros that would sell me like. 25 copies of something instead of like 50 or maybe i would only have like five subscribers on one genre and then i'd have mm-hmm. to kind of buy them directly from the label like pretty much like not at retail but like there wasn't a lot of like room for margin in terms of in terms of that but yeah it's uh that's why i think I'm, i'll switch to just helping people find the stuff for them and, and then the record labels can ship it out to them yeah you know I, just to backtrack a, a little bit, like when did you get into vinyl? Probably, I think I was, I was at my brother's house back in like 2007 or somewhere around that. And he was DJing out um, Amherst, like around UMass Amherst. He went to school out there and he was just kind of doing some bar scene stuff. And he had like the turntable set up like at his house. And one of his buddies was like, a, was, a, was a really good um, sort of scratch DJ. So I was, I got up there, I was trying to play with it, like I'm trying to figure out this was at his house, it wasn't any sort of venue. Cause it looks so easy when people are doing, I mean, it's probably at any level of skill. Um, people, it looks, they make it look easy. And then you find out how difficult it is to, to mix, right. do all these things. And then I he gave me one of his turntables and I kind of started with a little corner of my living room was like, I, don't know, I think I went down to Nuggets or something and bought like a bunch of like, Dave Brubeck and these other jazz albums just to put on in the background and then that slowly turned into a I need to have a Techniques 1200 MK2 and I gotta have two of them now (laughs) now I gotta have to get another bookcase to put the rest of these things on and luckily um, my wife was uh, uh, supportive of that so I was able to to build a section starting starting early but starts you start small and then you kind of then you if you, if you had video on right now, you'd see I have probably, I don't know, like four or five shelves full of vinyl right now that I need to, I need to reorganize. That's the biggest thing. You got to go and try to weed some things out to, to buy some new ones. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's kind of, for me right now, it's sort of figuring out where to like, everything. So I'm, I'm starting to get more selective with what I, what I buy. <laughs> Because I would be like, I need this, this, this album or one song. I would do a little bit of like, I don't know, like art show, like DJing and stuff like that with just background music for people. 
but I it was only all vinyl, right? Because I knew other people could add. You could bring in Serato. There's a high production value, but I just felt like my shtick needed to be like all analog. And I would literally just buy an album just for one song because I couldn't couldn't bring it to myself to like hook up a CD. Yeah, <laughs> or the last. I love that. Um, <laughs> or even like I, I used to do a lot of sampling. Um, Back in the day, even before I did records, um, still got a SoundCloud up there, I think, with a bunch of my old stuff. But that was, I would always try to find, even if you dig into some old dusty bins, you may find some gems you can, a couple of bars or like, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds and, and loop it and, and make it into something new. That was another sort of side passion of mine, or I guess hobby, you would call it. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, when you were younger, like when you were a kid, were you listening to like CDs before you got in the discovered vinyl or? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think tapes. Well, my parents had some records. Yeah. They had like the, like the, what do you call it? The whole hi-fi thing set up with everything. You had like a tuner, a tape deck, turntable on top. Um, and cassettes were big back in like late right. eight, that kind of thing, dating myself with the with that right now but um no what was one of the things it was we got a i don't know if you guys remember roller skating back in the day right um there used to be a dj at the roller kingdom up in tingsboro where i used to go and i wanted to figure out what he was doing because he was just mixing these songs up and stuff like that so i tried to recreate it with the with the tape deck at my house and i got a couple of songs down but it wasn't as uh wasn't as rich as the uh dj experience <laughs> Yeah, uh, we used to have the. I don't know if you ever heard of it, the Roller World. I don't know if that might that place might still exist. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds it's the same. Everyone. <laughs> Would they have carpeting in the walls and stuff like that? We mind mind it up at my place. I don't know if it was a safety issue or something. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, so, like I know you said before, you weren't necessarily into like top 40 but when or when did you shift into maybe getting into stuff that wasn't as uh mainstream i mean it was probably it's probably right around when i was getting into into vinyl like up until then i was like just brought up on like nirvana grunge uh bands all that kind of stuff um and prior to that <laughs> my parents like um like bruce springsteen and all this other stuff so i think yeah when i hit when i hit when i started collecting records for myself i became much more nuanced in like what i was looking for and then i don't know when you when you go to a record store you see everything all laid out you're like oh this this there's a lot of stuff that you even look for versus if you're just like listen to the radio you're only presented with one thing at a time yeah that's a great mm -hmm. point um now with spotify you can get lost yeah yeah well, it's interesting because we've talked to a few people about this. I'm kind of curious what you think. Do you think that would say like Spotify and all these different streaming services, uh, do you think that it's better that people have all these different options and can get like instant access? Or do you think it like someone just going through like a record store like they would have in the past where you'd have to really navigate a lot more like which do you think is is better for like discovering music i mean i mean a couple of years ago i wouldn't have i wouldn't have said anything about like 
Spotify in a positive light. But since I've been able to sort of do a lot of discovery on my own on it, and the thing that I think the other point to make is like my, what I think, what do they call it? Release radar or something like that. They show you what, um, I put a ton of playlists together and they kind of say like, oh, what is this person been listening to? What are the new artists that are um, related to that? Or what are the new albums that are coming out? And that's been kind of helpful for me to find out what's coming out new. But the other point is, I mean, people who just listen to the same stuff on Spotify are only going to be presented with the same right. stuff, right? So it's, it's, it's like, it's, I do like, I don't know, maybe a playlist each month for my coworkers uh, for the Folia Health Company that we co-founded back a couple of years ago. And it's all sort of like entrepreneur-based type of like feel in the songs. And one of the girls was like, yeah, you know, they did my year-end roundup on Spotify and they said I was a tastemaker because I was listening to all your playlists. Oh, <laughs> you know, big, uh, a big departure for little things outside of their comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's wild. Yeah, I know. It, I, I worked in a more it, normal environment. No, not more normal. I, I hate to use that term, but I work. I've worked in several environments where, yeah, the people they're not on our level, <laughs> but they, but they, <laughs> they, 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 they're fascinated by it. Yep. <laughs> But definitely yeah they're like wow this is out there and i'm like yeah these are really good so i mean but you had to curate them right right like that i i probably picked from like i don't know to do a 20 song playlist i probably picked from or gone went through at least 100 different albums to find stuff right mm. so it wasn't it's the it's the work i guess or the what do you call it you kind of have to want to do it right but yeah oh totally that's but finished product is always worth it but the, back to your question too i mean when i first started going into record stores it was almost like a little intimidating. oh yeah right? totally I, I didn't like know where to walk or like do, do i bring these up to the register stupid shit like that um but obviously after you go a few times as with anything you kind of get a little bit better um you get more comfortable with it yeah definitely i think also uh, we talked about this a little bit before in the podcast where, um, you know, I don't know as much enough of the difference, but I do remember like, you know, as growing up that, it, you know, we didn't have, we weren't able to just like download stuff initially, you know, uh, you know, initially or just like CDs and, and stuff, um, at least when we were kids. And then, uh, you know, but as opposed to now where there's the instant access, I, I, I mean, I, I definitely personally prefer, being able to have, you know, access to all different things. And then still like, I like to buy vinyl, but I guess one thing that even I feel like I wish there was some way to figure out is just, you know, it's so awesome that there's all these things available to us, but it's almost like, it's, it's just like oversaturation and there's so much stuff out there. And, and I'm just like, there's gotta be some way to have some, maybe just better curators and stuff like that or some other way so that people can get turned on to a lot of this you know niche music yeah no i think um i mean there's a there's a tipping point of like how much choice can then kind of give you paralysis of yeah things. i mean just walk down the uh 
walk down the laundry detergent aisle at the supermarket and you'll, you'll feel the same thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Which one do I pick? I just want something to clean my clothes. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, definitely. It's more, I think that, I mean, Spotify is trying to do that where they'll, they'll kind of take the stuff that you've been listening to. I mean, that's what they're doing, right? They're looking at what you're listening to. Yeah. I'm not sure if they pull in like what your friends you're following. Maybe there may be some other things that they're doing. Um, yeah. Some of it's a little scary too. Sometimes when they suggest mm -hmm. like five different things and I love all five of them for some reason, I'm like, man, they really know me. Is that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The suggestions do tend to be spot on. Although the, I don't know if you'd agree that the, the downside is a lot of, it still seems to be a little cost prohibitive for the smaller DIY labels, like the underground labels. Like I know we haven't put anything on Spotify. Um, and like, even personally, like I'm with my own stuff, I have very little on there. Just, it still feels like it's a bigger, it's a bigger platform for stuff that's a little bit more established. I don't know if that's, seems on point yeah i mean this was something i was trying to i mean there's like this facade you can't really penetrate or you can't figure i mean unless you're in the industry you know the district distribution and and all that stuff um i it's just it feels like a black box getting your stuff played there's actually one thing i just found the other day this thing uh this company called universal masters i don't know if you guys have heard of them um no no essentially they're sort of like an artist but they, they, they actually they actually distribute your music on Spotify, Apple Music, these other things, but they give you the option to like own all of the perpetual royalties or the percentages um, through this. And it's, I don't know if there's like a monthly contract. I'll send you the link out. It's just an interesting thing because I think that's, it's exactly what you described. If you're not, if you don't have options or you don't understand how to navigate the distribution online, it's very difficult um, to get a, a deal that's going to either, like you said, cost prohibitive or just not get you in the right places. Um, so I think there's a movement towards companies that are seeing that need. Um, my biggest problem with the name of the company was like, of course, it has to be named Universal. So it sounds like a major label. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, call it something, anything that doesn't have like UMG or Universal in there. But I think there's going to be more things like that to, to be more artist centric going forward for DIY, even individual artists. Um, Great point. I don't know if, what that says for, for labels, but I think that's what I think everybody's gonna be working towards. It's, it's sort of like a paradox in a way because, yep. <laughs> because the smaller people, they, they might not wanna be a part of that, um, the whole corporate bubble yet. Obviously, like you said, there's a big need for it. So there'll come a point where you know, tough luck, you, you know, the, if someone comes up with, with an idea that pe people will like on a widespread basis, like Facebook, or whatever, some people will probably thought they were cool, too cool for that. But eventually there will come a time where everyone's just like, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it becomes more of a utility than, than a novelty, right? So that's sort of the when it becomes the only the only highway to travel on, that's when it gets a little stifling, mm -hmm. innovation standpoint. But I think there's enough 
I mean, I don't know if you guys use like Pandora or or Apple Music or Spotify exclusively, but I try to test them out just to see what their what their pros and cons are. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Chris um, just sticks to YouTube. I do, I do. It's weird. It's weird. I, I mean, obviously, I, I uh, listen to vinyl. Uh, I shouldn't say obviously, but I mean, I know you know that. Yeah. Uh, but as far as like, yeah, on the online, I, I mean, I'm not opposed to Spotify. I just haven't. I don't know. I just haven't. I guess I just haven't made that leap leap yet but one thing i do like about youtube is that there really are a lot of times the deeper cuts that could be there and also specific youtube channels that i like to subscribe to um and i found that to be a good way to get into some of the hidden gems do you pay um, for the there's, there's no like a i don't know like a five dollar a monthly thing i like just you know I just do it for the down. The biggest downside is that there's ads all the time. I know. You'll notice that they they make you sit through more ads after midnight because you're you're glued to the thing anyways. I think they know they have a captive audience. <laughs> wow. Right. Yeah. Also, there's live videos for stuff is a big thing for me for for YouTube. But a lot of times, I like to if I find something, then I can just go find it on Bandcamp or something. Yeah, that's why. I'd, we haven't mentioned Bandcamp yet. This is the yeah, yeah, right. That's the. I mean, I know that's crazy. You <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I bought I bought a lot of albums uh, through Bandcamp actually. Um, yeah. Not so much digital, um, but I mean, it usually comes with it. But like a lot of the artists that I mean, maybe three three years ago, not everything was on like a Spotify or whatever. But Bandcamp would usually have what what I was looking for, especially at the lower. Um, you call it uh not so um exposed lower yep. rungs of society exactly yeah <laughs> yep. that's that's where we come in <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's um yeah that's that and they did this whole thing over the summer too when they were giving the full proceeds to the artists on like right the first part of the month and everything so they're definitely um big in my book in terms of, of supporting people yeah, they still do some of those every so often on like Fridays. They'll do that at a band camp that they, they at least from my understanding, uh, giving it very to art, artist friendly. Yeah. yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's see. Let's, I was going to ask you since we were talking about the, you were mentioned your collection. Do you know how many records that you own? Uh, that's a good question. I should probably do a, should probably do an inventory at some point. Um, maybe, I don't know. I'll conservatively say like around four or 500 maybe. Okay. Wow. Nice. And that, that includes like some of the stuff I need to get rid of. So. <laughs> Every, it's a, everybody has there stuff they're gonna get rid of I, I i certainly do where i'm like oh it's just like i'm like well i don't really listen to this that much uh you know <laughs> i've had some like i still have some leftover like stock from when i was selling records too it's funny like <laughs> yeah records sounded like really good at the time and like i was in a pinch and i bought like 20 copies of it and i only sold like 
and, and I can't even get rid of them on, on Discogs because they're just not that good. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So you, get, you, get a, you can't pick winners all the time. Right. <laughs> uh, Discogs is another one that uh, just got, I just got into in the last few years where that's such a great resource for out-of-print uh, out of print records. Absolutely. I mean, I was, I mean, I can't remember when I first started on going on the site, but it may have been 10 years ago. I don't even think you could buy stuff very easily on Discogs when they first started. It was more of a resource to be able to, to see what all the, the discographies were and the, what all the right. releases for artists were. And then they really got their act together as a marketplace, I think. Um, and yeah, I definitely find stuff that you can't find anywhere else and i don't know i got something from i didn't realize it but it was being shipped from australia so i'm like why is this taking so long <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man yeah I, I got a record shipped from russia uh this summer this past summer that took i think like almost two months yeah 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 you get like that. It, you, it feels special when something comes in. It's got a different language on it, and it's coming in from like airmail. Feels like the old days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you can, yeah. I mean, you can really get some. I mean, it, you, you definitely see some stuff where you're like, "Holy shit!" Like this is like a thousand dollars. I saw once a cassette tape. It was like a live performance, but it was like, uh, you know, just a rare cassette tape. Yeah, that was like a thousand bucks. The good thing about it too is like it's not like eBay where people can kind of try to jack up the prices. Like yeah, this card you can see what it's being sold for. Like right, somebody sold a couple of them or something like that. So you can, I mean, this obviously what the market will bear, but um, that's what I like about it. Um, I've definitely overpaid for some things just because I had to have it, but yeah, waited and just gotten the the black vinyl version from the record shop instead but
All right, so we're we're back, and uh, we were just about to start reminiscing. I think I think I know where you're going, Glenn. Where we went to the bus stop in Alston, which I don't think is standing anymore, right? I don't think so. No, I think it's. Yeah, I think, and even like this is like a pre-COVID loss, but uh, that that place was awesome, and uh, I remember we went there for a few drinks, all of us, and our a couple of our buddies uh, and before we went to see the Monsoors at Great Scott, which was an awesome. Yep. Yeah. That was great. That was great. I think we all hopped in the minivan. We did. Yeah. Shout out to our friend, James Course. Yeah. Classic <laughs> yeah. Minivan. I think it was freezing that night too. So it was a much welcomed uh, chariot ride of the, yeah, it was. It was uh, December 2017. It was December 1st, 2017, actually, I think. It's the exact day, if I recall correctly. Um, yeah. yeah that show was bananas. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't experienced them before. You guys had been heavily steeped with uh, with Andy California, I think, yeah. before I delved into it. But that was, that was a trip, man. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so with, like, shows, because I... You know, I, I know you more from we know you more from like the uh, the record, the pop up record stuff. Um, do you, I, I guess I just even like going back? Were you going since you're from the Massachusetts area? Were you going out to shows? You know, as a as a youngster at all? Yeah, yeah. I think I mean not as frequently as I've been in, in my adult years. Um, but we used to get, I mean, I'm from Kingsborough, so it's about 45 minutes north of right. the city. Um, so it was sort of a, an event to come into the city. Um, he, what was it? Aerosmith had a club on Lansdowne Street called Mamakin. Oh. And my buddy was like a sort of a metal guy. And there were some really good metal shows down there. Um, not go anywhere near the pit, of course, because we were scrawny little 16-year-old <laughs> kids. Um, but I think we saw Sam Black Church there like a million years ago. Um, a couple other bands in that in that vein. So we, we were we were able to get down. I hadn't I don't think I got to the paradise until I started living in Alston. Um, but then found the paradise and what was it before before Yep. Is is O'Brien still kicking? Uh yeah. Hopefully it, it remains, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. O'Brien's um, still alive as of now. When did you nice. move to yeah. Alston? Two thousand one, I think. Nice. Kind of lived uh, around Packard's Corner, and then oh, moved wow. out like Cleveland Circle. Like it was that like time in your life when you moved every year, um, just cause. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was pre Austin Christmas before they had a name for it, but we were still kind of engaging in that. I think we stayed at one place for two years and that was like a big deal. <laughs> Long time. Yep. Yep. So but, you were, were you going to did you tinker around with any of like the, the basement scene or like local music shit? No, it's, I mean, that's when I, when I started, I started hanging out with, um, was I was with the Austin village main streets um the thing that helps like local businesses and stuff and i met one of the guys from um alston pudding and they kind of turned me on to like 
the idea of a basement show and like going to like rug road and all that stuff. Um, but I hadn't, I hadn't gotten into too much of that. Chris started inviting me to a couple of them, but I wasn't able to sneak out on a Tuesday night. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. 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 Can't, can't blame you, Dan. What? Yeah. I don't, I don't blame you. Uh, but definitely when things, you know, get back to some sort of, uh, regular like uh when shows become a, a thing again like uh, in-person shows uh we'll definitely have to get I'll, I'll definitely be sending you invites to stuff <laughs> you'll be seeing more of those but um yeah i mean well, oh sorry go on no the, i mean the last one we went to was your 10-year anniversary show oh yeah um, yeah yeah no. that was that was uh, uh quite the performance by one waters um I mean, intimate to say the least. He took his shirt off for the first half of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a really damn what a yeah great great way to describe that performance. That was, cool. that was I think that was one of my last shows I've been to. What was that? Twenty. That was the uh, yeah July twenty nineteen. Yeah, I think I might have gone to one other show after that, but yeah, and everything kind of dried up. Yeah, definitely. That's what I want uh, to ask you guys too. Is have you seen sort of a, a drop off on just people producing music in general? I know it's probably easier to do stuff in your bedroom these days than it is to go into a studio or go into a, like a congregate setting, as they would say, to record. But have you guys seen a drop off, or still keep people still putting stuff out? Yeah, I, it's hard to say, but there's definitely a lot of people still putting stuff out and um there's uh, a lot of people buying stuff too actually uh, a band from boston if you've heard of them sweeping promises no okay that's a recommendation <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh i think you'll dig yeah, but we have uh, them on the pod. they only played yeah we did have them on the podcast but uh we more from their previous bands because the band Sweeping Proms only one show pre-COVID and then they put out a, a record and it sold like really well um, and I think it's been on what like three or four pressings now Glenn? Yeah it did it's done incredibly well on it came out on Feel It Records and yeah, the vinyl sold out you know immensely compared to a lot of you know their contemporaries or whatever you want to call it but digitally if you look if you were to look them up on spotify um they have a fuck ton of listeners um yeah and, i think know, they're like, number one in boston yeah and Bandcamp too just a, just a, the numbers are crazy and uh they're kind of doing like a post-punk sound um and yeah just crazy like chris said they only played one show but they're they're like a very covid band they blew up during this time that's great yeah it looks like they got yeah. like uh, hundreds of thousands of listens yeah so pretty exciting um they're on my list now yeah yeah definitely uh what else have you been listening to recently I mean, I'm kind of all over the map, as you know. Um, I've been getting into like some electronic stuff as well. Um, 
but that's a little bit more, I don't know, like overproduced. Uh, the band, I mean, I'm super into the latest, uh, the Peacers LP that just came out. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them off the track. Uh, yeah, I think we saw it. Glenn, did we see them? Peacers, that's the dude in the Sissic Alps, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay. I think, did we see them at Garnerfest? Shit, we might have, we might have, I don't even know, we might have even seen them in Boston at some juncture, but. Um, I feel like we did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, damn. So you recommend them, Dan? Yeah. Yeah, the latest album is, is, is really good. I think they've had like a, not so much a revolving door of like members, but I think Ty Siegel was playing with them or maybe yeah. it was the Galps or something like that. It seems to be a lot of uh, cross-pollination with these guys anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Really is. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I also, I also just mentioned uh, Goner Fest. I'm not sure if, if you're aware, Dan, but uh, Goner Records, uh, amazing record label in Memphis. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're life. familiar. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the times you were, I think you went there, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, we go oh, every year. Room. Yeah, yeah. We wrote, if you we want to come down with us, it's a good little, good little jaunt. Yeah. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, I think, I think I, I think I was aware of them because I think one of like Ty's first albums was off of Connor Records. Um, yep. Uh, Lemons and Mel. Yep. Gone, yeah. Um, Pretty good ones to start with. Yeah. Yeah, they tend to catch it the kind of weeds people. Go on, Dan. No, no, I mean, just from like, like it's super lo fi, right? Um, his first like two albums. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, he actually had uh, what, like two albums even before those two. Um, right. Yeah. They were on so, uh, separate labels, I think. Uh, definitely not. They weren't on Goner, but I'm trying to remember what they were on. But uh, yeah, that's that's my favorite. Maybe Chris's too. Melted that album. That's I. I yeah, that's consider probably consider that his his ultimate. Um, probably when he was dropping the most acid. Actually, I don't even know if he does drugs, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's perceived to be doing acid. Yeah. Well, we'll, right. we'll have him on the podcast sometime, and <laughs> we'll ask him that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, super chill guy. I mean, I would try to go up and get an autograph or something after the shows, and like, like take a picture with him and all my stuff. And he was like super chill, even after he just did like a whole set, give you like thirty seconds, to, like chat for a minute. So he's a pretty approachable guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we've met him a few yeah. times. He was really nice. I um, I gave him my tape yeah. once, and that. I never thought he'd remember, but I saw him in the bathroom of, I think, Great Scott, and he recognized me from when I gave him a tape in New York, and that just blew my mind. I was like, this is Ty C, you know, like, I had a little bit of a celebrity, you know, sure, the, sure. you know, you know what I'm saying? It's sort of like a celebrity moment, weird thing where you would think like, oh, you know, he wouldn't even, but I kind of, I don't think he lied, like you said, he listened to it, um, and you know he's just a very friendly dude. That's cool, man. Yeah, Grace Scott was 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 good for that because there's no green room. Right. The artist had to like sit at the bar 
yeah. <laughs> it is awesome but it's so tr- it, it, it's so funny it's like uh it's so true though yeah there were that's that was the, the coolest thing that yeah they'd just be like around because there's nowhere else to go <laughs> they've nowhere else to hide you know they, you I mean, they, yeah was it, was it you guys that did the i mean i saw white fence at um tim presley at at um at Grace Scott's, and he was like running his own merch table. I don't know if you guys were involved with that show or not. I forget. No, I, I didn't see that one. I, I did. We did see White Fence. Um, I remember him being at the merch yeah. table. Um, yep. Yeah, we saw him. It was uh, this is like two that October two thousand fourteen. It was King Gizzard and the Lizard, Wizard mm-hmm. and White Fence, Juan Waters and this band Creatures uh, from Boston um and uh that was like great scott uh, was, i think it was king gizzard wasn't as had it was still big but they hadn't quite like blown up on that next level yet um but yeah no that was uh i think that's the only time oh no wait we did see white fence with ty um a couple of years ago the reminiscence hopefully get back there i mean even the, I mean, Great Scott's is another story too, right? They're trying to um, move over to the pizzeria, old pizzeria Regina um, yeah. venue. Exactly. We'll see. It should be, it should be pretty, pretty rad if they can get that thing going. Absolutely. Yeah. Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I've, I've I mean, always bigger. Right? Yeah, exactly. I've always said, I think. I think, and I think you guys would agree. A perfect venue, there'd be like a, a a pizza. They'd be serving pizza at the venue, and also have a mini record store in the venue. Sounds like a business opportunity, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, does really, it sounds amazing. Yeah. Should put that on the list. Well, you could. Well, honestly, <laughs> this could be an opportunity. Um, <laughs> Shout out to the Lucky Jungle, which is going to be Cambridge's newest music venue. It's a, I don't know if you ever heard of it, Dan. It's two months old. Cool. It's pretty new. Yeah, it's two months old. It's a, right now it's a plant slash art space, um, pretty close to Inman Square. And once in this this summer and maybe whenever they're going to be doing um they're going to do shows and it's it's a really cool space it's almost looks like an old gas station so they said they can open up the the garage doors and they have the outside space indoor space and then they could bring food trucks in it could be this whole crazy ass thing chris might be able to you know sell pizza <laughs> One day, One my day. dreams will come true. No, but that's a good. I mean, it's going to get warmer out, right? So it's going to be easier outside. I think, and that's going to. I mean, if if a venue can do both of those things, I think they'll they'll have a win on their hands. Hell yeah, definitely. Um. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's the next phase that we'll see is uh, some outdoor shows, and I think definitely. I mean, we'd like to throw some outdoor shows and people should really make it, uh, take advantage of that. And the, you know, as the, as the weather gets warmer. Um, 
We'll see what happens. But yeah. I wonder if there's a, a permitting process for Ringer Park. We could set up a Ringer Fest or something. Mm, yeah. That's a good, that would be great. Good point. Do you, do you like outdoor shows, Dan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't been to one in a while, but there's always, I mean, before like festivals were like a thing, I think I went to the Ford Fest or something in like late 90s, early 2000s. And I don't know, there's just so much more you can experience by walking around and going to different stages and stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's funny too, is like some of our, uh, our friends and, and comrades have uh, said like, you know, when you bring up the idea of it's like, oh, like, what if there was like an outdoor show and something that, um, you know, just to be like safer as we're transitioning, you know, you know, with the rollout of vac vaccinations and everything. And people have said, you know, be like, you know, like, unless it's like uh, the element of danger is there and I'm, you know, moshing or whatever with people all around me, I have no interest in doing shows. And I can totally respect that. However, I kind of look at it, it's like, well, I mean, yeah, okay. Some music that I, I love, yeah. I mean, of course, I'd love to have a mosh pit, but it's like, I, I feel like most of us all have such varied that it's like, does anyone really ever mosh when they're listening to like, you know, like folk music or, or you know, or like gospel, <laughs> you know what I mean, or something, you know, or or EDM or whatever. I mean, I know people dance and everything, but you know what I mean. It's almost like. I'd say like, hey, screw. What's we'll, we'll get there when we get there to like the more crazier stuff. But if we can throw some like safer outdoor shows, I, I'm all for that. You know? Yeah, I mean, just to be able to listen and and see people perform. Yeah, exactly. Know, in the wild. <laughs> yeah. Does it feel exactly. weird that it's been that long? Or do you think you'll it'll you'll it'll just be like nothing ever happened? it's tough man it's like the time warp right it's been like a year over a year now but it doesn't feel like that but it does you just kind of go back in your mind of like how long has it been yeah i think it's yeah i think people are starting to get ready to to get back out there but like you said probably in a more measured way yeah I, that's what i'm thinking i, I hope anyways that we'll see some like outdoor stuff in the summer and maybe maybe it, some small stuff indoors but we'll see and then maybe more towards fall or even whenever it's really like really safety we'll go back to perhaps what we had before but um well that's one thing we ask everyone is when do you think shows will return um I don't know, what, what do you what do you think I mean, like you said, though, right, it may be, they'll probably start with, like, a limited capacity thing. Not, yeah. not that yeah. Grace Scott's had any sort of uh, large capacity to begin with, um, or even yeah. smaller venues and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think there'll be some stuff in the summer, once everybody's sort of been able to get through this whole vaccination thing. Yeah. Um, and then, I don't know, it's this dang uncertainty that keeps creeping up on everybody. <laughs> yeah. And... Macaulay Culkin is a dad. Really? But it's all right. That's oh, just wow. a ran, that's a random aside. It's a big, it's a big news. <laughs> so that makes a difference. That makes a huge difference. I know that. I didn't. I didn't even think about that. It's <laughs> yeah, a big factor. But uh, you know, because now when he goes on vacation, is he going to remember his kid? Right. 
or is he going to leave him? And just this, it's just a vicious, vicious cycle. <laughs> Nowadays, though, his kid could always text, text him, and be like, "Hey, you know, I'm home alone." Right. Oh, it does. Yeah. It's <laughs> over before it started. Yeah, I saw a meme like that a few years ago. <laughs> You're a parent, Dan. Are you a punk rock parent? I am. My children have uh, plenty of uh, very musical tastes. Um, I think I had them jamming out to uh, uh, some King Tough yesterday. Um, so and they're wow. getting really good at air guitar at this point. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. You, I remember you, you sent me a video of one of your kids uh, requesting a Ty Siegel song. <laughs> I, that was great. I think it was two. Aiden was two. And I was taking them to like preschool. <laughs> I kind of I prompted him a little bit, but um, I literally was like, who's your favorite musician? He's like, Ty Siegel. <laughs> oh, that's, that's amazing. Awesome. You know, just indoctrinating the kids when they're young enough, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that, that's probably, know, like, that's probably the youngest fan. <laughs> I think he was at the time. No, I try to get him exposed to like all different types of music and and even like, I don't know, I have all this, I had like a midlife crisis during this thing. I have all this gear laying around. I just didn't have anything hooked up. So I just started like day by day, like getting things back together into a, like a state to record stuff. Like with the like guitar and stuff like that. Um, so there, I, I let them touch the turntables, but I, I try to let them uh, use the old scratch records that I have. So I don't... <laughs> wreck anything but i think when they get a little bit older they'll get a little more into the production side of things uh, that's are awesome you, are you a musician yourself dan uh i loosely i would consider myself a musician um uh, i did a lot i was in a band a million years ago um and then i did a lot, a lot of recording with just my own acoustic guitar and i got into like a lot of the production on on the on the computer like laptop and, mm-hmm. and like pc stuff just because it just was so easy to do all the tracks and record everything and um this is also back in when like i don't know if you guys remember like i know napster was a big one but like limewire oh uh, yeah like yeah. sharing things i would download like hundreds of songs just to sample them and I, that's what i have up in my soundcloud it's all like I wouldn't call them mashups. They're they're I don't know. They're sort of sampling and, and like drums and guitar and stuff. But there's no way I would ever be able to like afford the the royalties or the the licensing for pretty much any of the stuff that I created. So it's sort of a sort of a vandal's approach to music production. With the sampling, were you able? I actually don't know. I know jack shit about it, but I'm curious <laughs> about it. It, was there would you straight up use would you manipulate the songs that you were using to like remove instruments or like change the production at all or was it just simply like cutting and pasting copying and pasting i mean most of it i mean with the tools i had it was mostly sort of chopping stuff up and rearranging pieces um i would go after like acapellas or like songs that if you some people especially back in those days you could find like just the vocal track that's uh, uh, um but yeah separating stuff is 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 kind of difficult to write software to do that but um 
yeah i mean i would have like a i'd have like a like eight bars of a beatles song on there or stuff like that that you that would be cease and desist letter of existence <laughs> that's <laughs> fun though damn Oh, do you, would yeah. you ever DJ one of our shows? Sure. Do you do public DJing? Yeah, yeah, I've done a, I've done, um, I guess I was doing like some art shows and like these, like these little Alston collective shows that my buddy would put on once in a while. Do like a couple hours of vinyl, and I'd do like a couple of people are doing fundraisers and stuff, and I'd play records the whole time. It's funny. Some people don't know there's a DJ. Like even playing the music, <laughs> they're like, "Oh wait, there's a DJ." I'm like, "I've been slapping records down the table for the last four hours." You didn't notice? <laughs> I'm like, but I guess I mean that's a testament to like like they, people only know that there's a DJ in, in, until you fuck up, right? Yeah, so that, that means you're a good great <laughs> DJ, right? Yeah. The yeah. point of it's you not know that you're there. <laughs> Man behind the curtain. Yeah, I mean, we, we'd love to have you sometime uh, whenever we do uh, the shows again sometime. We'd be great if you could DJ one of them. That'd be cool, man. Yeah. We also are um, thinking of getting into that angle of things. Um, you know, we might do a little bit of that at our own shows, but that might be a little bit difficult. We were thinking of getting out to, like, what we are saying, like, doing, like, little you know, things where we're playing records and stuff like that, um, you know, or even like at a bar or something like, have you done, uh, you know, like at, at, a, at like uh, regular bars or just the like art kind of, um, you're saying like the art fairs or whatever? No, I've done a couple of, um, there was a bar crawl I don't know, this must have been like seven years ago over at, I think it's a Verizon store now. It used to be like Tonic or some other, I forget what, what it was. It was right on, on Com Ave. Um, and my buddy wanted me to play. I used the manager over there. And I, I, I think I played like three or four hours um, before, during, and like, I think it was one of those crazy bar crawls where people like walk around the city with like Viking hats and shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this was one of the, the stop so i played there the biggest pain in the ass was that they only had like a single xlr like connection to their sound system and it took me forever to find like some stereo single xlr um transformer but we got we got it done nice so when <clears throat> you play uh records at like places like that do you have a certain like sort of you're going for a certain amount of like kind of like genre or 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 style or is it just you know is it all over the map yeah i mean i'll i'll, I'll bring way too many records to start just in case <laughs> that's the we'll show up with like 150 records in like two boxes and, and, and make sure that i have enough to fill the time um but it ends up being i don't plan it like i'll i'll, I'll know which songs i want to like kind of like key off of or have like some milestones throughout the, the day or the evening but it's usually based on like i mean for lack of a better phrase how the, the crowd is feeling it yeah <laughs> and you kind of have to adapt you gotta you gotta pick your head up once in a while and make sure people aren't walking out the door yeah well, i was gonna say yeah. you see, can you see the djs with the 
Yeah. Were you one of those DJs that was already listening to the next song before the other song was done? I mean, I don't know. Is that what yeah, DJing yeah, you gotta is? Split up. Yeah, so like when you got the, the two turntables, right? You got you got a mixer in the middle and there's a cue mechanism that allows you to listen to one of the one of the turntables while the other one's playing. So you can you can either beat match or you can just cut and 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 switch it over to the next song so you can have a little bit of a a little bit of production value. But I mean most of the stuff today, people are using Serato or these other um, software packages to they literally have vinyl on the turntables, but it's used as a controller um to control the sound on the on the laptop so you can you can achieve so much more sort of production like switching back and forth like matching like preventing key clashes and stuff like that but oh, interesting um still have the feel of a record when you're trying to control it but i just do i don't have any no digital apparatuses on my my rig yeah you're just straight up i go for the purity yeah, I was gonna say pure analog. <laughs> it does, uh, yeah, it's like the, I mean, when I first would like, I, I knew a couple of guys that did like Soul Forty Five Nights in Cambridge. Yeah. Um, and I was like, how do you guys, how do you do all this stuff? He's like, we're just playing records, man. Like, cause you have this picture in your head, like there's like all this, like beat matching and all this other stuff, but there's 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 simpler ways to to put records together than I expected, but. Yeah, right. yeah, we we we've done some minimal forays at our shows. I bring a turntable, and it's part of the fun is just the uh, the shit showness of it all. Just kind of working yeah. off of one record player, and you know sometimes we might be in yeah. conversations when the song stops, so there's like a three minute delay. But hey, fuck yeah. it. <laughs> well, I think also because. Yeah, also in those instances, like people are there, you know, to see live bands. So it's really just like in between the bands that we're doing it. So I think like it's a more sympathetic uh, crowd because if they're like, I mean, occasionally I have heard people say before, where they're like, wait, hey, like, why'd the music stop? And I'm like, sorry, it's like, I gotta, I gotta go. It's like, sorry, gotta, we're just gonna go and smoke a joint. We'll be right back. Yeah, there that. That sometimes, but sometimes that's the reason why it needs to stop. But it's just like a, you have like I mean, there's a couple of records I'd have which were like you'd, they would you'd have cover to go to the bathroom, like you get like an eight minute song or something. Yeah, so that on so you can you can back away from it. Um, yep. To your one turntable point, I think I did one like show where I had a belt drive turntable on on the left and a direct drive on the right. So the belt drive is like the one you have that just listens. You can't cue it you can't if you just touch the record it goes starts back up so that was i think probably along the lines what you guys are dealing with that's exactly it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah there's really you no know, um, yeah, there's no smooth there's the seamless transitions not in the vocabulary yeah. <laughs> well one question i was also going to ask you on this on the same topic uh as far as like the selection of the songs uh i know for us too like there's i mean there's so many different genres but a lot of the stuff that we we would be playing that we have on 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 record uh might not be the most like accessible music like is there like sort of a you know with with the places where you played records like a line where you're where they build where the the kind of places would be like look like uh we need something like yeah, you know, isn't gonna make people yeah, <laughs> leave no, the place. No sad rock, any of that 
shit. Yeah, which I, I actually like a lot. So like, yeah, there's a, like if I really love a song, just because I love it doesn't mean I can play it out. Right. Right. And it's like I said, you kind of, not that, not that I'm an expert at reading the crowd, but you can kind of tell like, all right, you, you kind of need stuff to make people move. Otherwise it's going to be just like a, I don't know, an exercise in your own indulgence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which Honestly, I kind of might struggle from that on the autism spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's that um, for sure, but also just more struggle of being uh, maybe just not having records that, people want to hear or not i don't i don't know it's definitely an interesting experiment i yeah. think i'd no, like I to do well that's why i mean i try to dig up i mean the stuff that i always recommend to people and they they hear it they're like I, i've never heard this band before but i like this music right right they necessarily like found it on their own but it's not like, like i don't know like if you play like one of the songs off of like melted or something it's just like noise like people are gonna be like what the fuck is this right but find the right track that has a little bit more of a melody or something like that that people can lock into mm. and move from Great that. point. Yeah, it's that's definitely a thing where it depends on the crowd uh, for sure, you know, and because, um, like, for me, like, something, like, uh, more, like, unmelted would be, like, uh, have on the more of the accessible side you know but then again like that totally depends on the crowd you know so it might be like very accessible for some people and then for others that might be you know a little bit rougher um so i guess it depends on the crowd but it's also like you know like you said like the soul 45s i kind of you know i do like that it's like so like if you do that is one way because if you're like all right this is soul night or this is doo-wop night or whatever then people know what they're getting into yeah. No, yeah. definitely. I've, I've a couple of buddies of mine are like, just pepper in a classic once in a while, even if it's not the most independent or the best thing. People can just lie. Oh, I like, I know this song, right? For, for like a half of the song and then cut back into your set, right? Just to get people back into the, into the track redeem. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I try not to do like genre nights just because it's kind of limiting. Um, it's true. Yeah just because I kind of show up with 150 records from like 10 different genres and yeah. try to try to mix it up. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess, what would you describe the, as just a general, uh, just, just a general question, what would you describe the vinyl experience to someone who doesn't listen to vinyl? Uh, I would say it's, I mean, it's more about, more about the physicality and ownership than it has been in the past i think um like people can say that it sounds better but most people don't have the audiophile equipment to actually tell the difference in certain circumstances that's a good point i mean <laughs> i like to think i do but i'm like i do this sometimes i'll play the spotify version or whatever Bandcamp version and i'll literally cut over to the record on my rig and you really have to to listen to hear the difference i mean mm. Like studio monitors kind of doesn't color the sound but um i think yeah. it's more of, like you said though it's more about now that we have all these options through these streaming services you still want to be able to support the artists and own a piece of the, their their art versus just it being a commodity that you're just kind of streaming past yeah no i mean uh, 
I have to agree with that. Yeah, it's kind of a mixed thing for, for me personally as well, where that's one thing I like about getting old records where it has like the the, the crackles and pops and everything to it. And it's just hearing that on top of the music, it just, it, it makes it like, oh, okay, this record from 1960 feels like, a, it's like I'm back in 1960 listening to it. Yeah, it's got a little patina on it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'm not sure how we're doing for time, but I think uh, this might be a good place to wrap it up. Yeah, this is uh, great. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely appreciate you giving us your time and everything, Dan. Yeah, thank um, you so much, Dan. It's really been awesome. Well, it's been a treat for me, like I said earlier. I like to always talk shop about this stuff whenever I can yeah absolutely and uh we'll be in touch uh as we often are with our recommendations for each other but um you know yeah so we'll definitely be in touch also as far as like shows and any other stuff and definitely let us know of anything too that sounds great yeah we'll get a record shop pizza joint uh venue together at some point in the future easy no problem it'll be fun (laughs) yeah